This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. The Bastards are back for this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We are a part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times, savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I'm Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. Joining me tonight, for the first time I get to announce him, Jason Kelly from Canton, Massachusetts. Mr. Kelly, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Yeah, good to be back with you guys. It's going to be fun. I'm super excited to hear the news that you got to, to get a house and um, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Uh, one day I'll get to get my own house. I'm not sure what town or city or whatever, but I'll be pumped to get that, that status too. So, uh, you, you join our other co-host who will be introducing shortly. Where can our fans find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me at color of the iris on Twitter. So feel free to yell at me for all my bad takes if you want to. Yeah, I got uh, razzed a couple of times by, by two fans telling me I was wrong. And that's for those that are wondering, that's color, C-O-L-O-U-R. It's a little bit of unique spelling, but yep. just like the spelling, Jason's a unique guy with some some smart takes. Also joining us tonight, we have Terry Cushman coming from Myrtle Beach by way of Wyndham, Maine. Terry, how are you? I'm just kind of sitting on the edge of the cliff. Dangling my legs as we uh, embark on the rest of this month. But yeah, you can also find me on Twitter at Cushman MLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. No bad takes from me, though. I've never had a bad one. Not you. Not <laughs> not you, Terry. Not once. Thank you for uh, already taking my next question out of the uh, out of hand there. So uh, the last thing is Smith underscore MLB. Before we get into some hot takes, if you want to send me or harass me or comment on things that I'm not doing right or, you know, carry on with what you were doing last week, have at it. Um, so first hot take, we'll let you take it away. I'll have you go first. Okay. So this one uh, really stood out to me. This is from at Trivia Bruce, who gives us a outfield alignment question or slash hot take. He says... Verdugo, Duran, Ruff Snyder will win you more games in the outfield than Verdugo, Hernandez, Jackie Bradley. Um, personally, I think he might be right just because I think Jackie Bradley's such a zero player in, in just a zero altogether. Um, I'm not sure about rough Snyder and you know versus Kike but it's pretty close your outfield alignment you know he's not completely off on that I don't think but I don't know what do you guys think 
Uh, Terry, per- do you want to go first? Yeah, personally, uh, I would much rather have Kike in there if he's healthy. Um, I didn't get a chance to check anything that might have developed in the last 48 hours, but uh, in the middle of the week, he was taking 15 swings in batting practice, so I don't know where that is, really. I mean, inevitably, he's going to have to take probably three or four rehab starts. So conservatively, I I would guess he's still going to be out for at least a couple more weeks before he returns to the team. Hip injuries are complicated, so hopefully that goes well. But Ref Snyder kind of cooled off in the in the last series. I'm not really a big fan of his. I just don't really have high expectations. I agree 1,000% with Jason on Jackie Bradley. Uh, I just... It's a nightmare that we can't shake. So, Christian Arroyo, though, has been fairly productive lately, so I I don't mind seeing him get starts in right field. I think Franchi is going to get more first base time, unfortunately, because they are not going to let Bobby Dahlbeck hit righties. So my favorite alignment is Verdugo, Kike, and Duran. I I don't have as much angst or anger, feelings of just not happiness uh, surrounding Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, For those that couldn't see, Terry was kind of looking off into the distance, almost like it was a Shakespearean soliloquy, just kind of doing his thing, just just staring off into the distance. Uh, I actually like that take, because I like uh, Riff Snyder. I think he's fun. And this is a guy who's only had a, a career high of two home runs, came into this season with six home runs. He's already matched his career high. I think he's going to break that number this year. Maybe not more than like four or five, but still, it's someone that's exciting to watch. I think there is some truth in that, though, because I think uh, Riff Snyder is going to have a, a role uh, down down the stretch for this season. Because this is a great little signing, you know. Didn't really didn't really cost us anything, and he's doing great. So I don't I don't hate that take. I think it's it's definitely an interesting one, and it it definitely uh, offered some some unique uh, perspectives. And uh, Jason, you want to say one more thing? Yeah, and, and just on Rob Refsnyder, the thing to keep in mind is that he has no options left. Um, so when Kike comes back, there's going to be a decision that has to be made in the outfield because Refsnyder would have to clear waivers if you DFA him. And the way he's going right now, there's no way he clears waivers. Someone's going to pick him up. So the Red Sox, once Kike is healthy and given how Duran's going, they're going to have a decision to make because they're going to have too many outfields or too many outfielders on the, on the roster. So he might be forcing their hand a little bit. Jaron Duran is hitting like an ungodly, I want to say like three seventy something right now. He's just absolutely tearing it up. I can't see him getting sent down. I, I think Ref Snyder is the odd man out. I mean, could you see Arroyo being that guy? I think he would be the next vulnerable guy. 
possibility. No options, but quick stat on him in the last 30 days uh Arroyo's hitting 269 with a 406 on base so quietly you know being productive and you get a little bit more versatility with a guy like Arroyo than you do Ref Snyder so I, unfortunately I, I think Ref Snyder would be the odd man out once Kike comes back that's hard oh I hope not that's just me though uh what do you got for your first take? So mine comes from BP125. He says the Red Sox should trade Tanner Houck if he's not vaccinated. Now, here's the thing. In a perfect world, I think Bloom would love that. If there was a way to do it, I think he would love it. You could also say, arguably, Tanner Houck's trade value has probably never been higher. You're probably going to get the biggest package uh, back from him this year than you would have at any point previously. I'm just trying to see where he's at in the last uh, month or so. So Hauk has a 231 uh, ERA in the last month. He's punched out uh, 18 guys, so that's over how many innings? So in 11.2 innings, he's punched out 18 batters. That's astronomical. <laughs> I, I would guess the, the site doesn't provide that, but I'm guessing that would be a, a 14 or 15 strikeout per nine, roughly. So... You're getting elite numbers out of Tanner Houck. Unfortunately, you would decimate your bullpen. I mean, you're hoping Garrett Whitlock comes back and he's healthy and he's going to have his high swing and miss rate that he had in the first month of the season and throughout most of last season. But having Tanner Houck in your bullpen, vaccinated or not, it just gives you that much more depth. I mean, they could potentially be the best two eighth and ninth inning guys in the second half. And you only have one more regular season series in Toronto. You could potentially have one in October, but that's, that's a long way out. So, I think that's too hot of a take from BP125. I, I don't think you can trade Tanner Houck, but I think Bloom would be intrigued by it if the circumstances were a little bit better. Yeah, I agree with Terry. You can't trade Tanner Houck right now. Um, the Toronto problem is not going to rear its head again until September, like Terry mentioned. So basically for the stretch of the rest of the season – you don't have to worry about that. And look at what's happened to the Red Sox pitching staff. Chris Sale and James Paxson are still not back yet. Evaldi's on the IL. Whitlock is on the IL. Rich Hill just went on the IL. And Michael Walker's got a dead arm. Your only healthy starter right now is Nick Pavetta. And God forbid if something happens to him. I mean, if Nick Pavetta gets hurt, you are screwed. You are up the creek. So Tanner Houck still has that ability to go multiple innings, do a spot start. Maybe even if the injuries get so bad, they, you know, they shift them back into the rotation. 
uh, which would be an extreme move, but they may have to do it if they don't get healthy soon. So look, it, for any contending team, which is what I hope the Red Sox plan to be, you can never have enough pitching. Pitching is so important down the stretch. So um, look, we were all frustrated with Tanner Houck over the Toronto situation, but at the end of the day, it's only one more series you have to worry about now. And he's a good pitcher. He's been good this year and he's really coming into his own. So the Red Sox need every arm they can get in that bullpen and potentially in the starting rotation. So unless Kyan Bloom gets knocked over with a can't pass up kind of deal, and I don't know what that would even be, but unless that happens, you hang on to Tanner Houck and you keep him in that, that bullpen or just as a part of that pitching staff, whether it's bullpen rotation, whatever you want, but they, they're going to need him. So I agree. Don't trade him. Uh, that's going to be three, uh, three for three. Not only don't trade him, you you can't, you, you absolutely cannot. He's proven his worth. He's proven his value. Hitting has never been what's won ball games. It's always been pitching always. And when you have an ace in the hole like that, you cannot afford to lose him for whatever reason. It will not work. And believe me, you're better with Tanner Houck not playing because he's not vaccinated than not having him on your team and then potentially facing him in the playoffs. So absolutely not. No, you you can't trade him. You absolutely cannot. Um, so uh, with that, uh, my first hot take is actually coming from Ben Bishop at Ben BSHP. Rafi will win MVP within the next five years. Um, I think it's a high possibility that it could happen. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's a hot take, but I think it's a valid thing to point out. When you have players like Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Vladimir Guerrero, um, that are probably going to finish like one, two, three, and that's not counting Aaron Judge, who's having a ridiculous year this year, Jose Ramirez, who's having a ridiculous year this year. Uh, Rafi Devers is the second best third baseman in the American League, right behind Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez steals a lot more bases, is just doing a lot more with what he's had. He's finished in the top 12 and voting twice, and I think that each time he's probably gotten shafted. There were a couple of years, uh, one of the years that Aaron Judge, for example, was rated much higher than him, and I don't understand why. Um, I think Devers probably should have had two top eight or two top nine MVP finishes. Um, absolutely no question about last year. Uh, Shohei Otani, hands down, deserved that unanimous um, MVP. But if one of them has an off year and one of them gets injured and doesn't even play, yeah, there's a really good chance that Rafael Devers ends up finishing uh, first for the AL MVP. And my prayer is that it is not wearing a non-Red Sox uniform. That would hurt immensely. Um, Jason, anything you want to add? Yeah, I I think it's absolutely in the realm of possibility. Um, I think his power numbers have to go up just a tick, and we Rafael Devers can hit power. That it's not that's not for debate, but he has to hit like unreal power because he's going up against you know guys in the American like Aaron Judge is you know on pace for like fifty plus homers this year, and Chicks still dig the long ball, and that that applies to the MVP voters. So home runs are still weighted against everything else he does. If anything, I could see Devers winning a batting title before he wins an MVP. 
because he's just so good at hitting the ball the other way, getting on base. He doesn't always try to swing for the fences every at bat. So I could see that happening, but could he win MVP in the next five years? Absolutely. He's got all the talent to do it. Um, It's just a matter of, he has to have that like complete season where he hits for 40 plus homers. He has over 200 hits. He, you know, he plays good defensively and let's face it. You do kind of have to be on a winning team. It's, it's not a requirement, but it helps. So if he's on a Red Sox team that misses the playoffs, but Aaron Judge is going to the ALCS with his 52 home runs, you know, that's going to weigh against him. So a lot of it depends on how the team does, but could could and will Rafael Devers win MVP in the next five years? I will say yes. I, I would take that bet. If I was a gambling man, I would take that bet. If Aaron Judge were to get hurt this year, and I'm, I'm not the type of person that really roots for injuries, even with Yankees players, but I think there's still a, a slight possibility Devers could come running in this year to do it. Judge has 29 home runs. Devers has 17, but the balance gets flipped when it comes to doubles. Devers has 27. Judge only has 12. So Judge is living and dying by the long ball. Uh, One thing that helps Judge, though, he's a superior defender. Not many people try to get an extra base on him as far as, like, legging out doubles or anything because the dude has a cannon. So his defensive metrics are going to be better than Devers. But even if it's not this year, I I absolutely could see Devers winning it. Uh, Otani won it last year. He's kind of a special case because, you know, he's a two-way guy. Uh, Vladimir Jr. was way up there, but he's really... He's nowhere really near the top 10 right now as far as uh, American League players this season. I'm looking on the MLB site. He's 25th overall on the MLB site in terms of uh, OPS. So from year to year, you're going to have guys that are super hot and could Devers be super hot next year or the year after that? Absolutely. I think he's going to win at least one, maybe even two. The big question for me is what uniform is he going to be wearing when he does it? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's my big fear, but Devers will absolutely be an MVP at some point. Oh, we're aligned there. Uh, cool. Uh, Jason, what's your uh, second take? Yeah, my second one comes from at Red Sox fam two, three, and they ask, or they, they, their hot take is that Kyan Bloom will do nothing significant at the trade deadline because he's getting Chris Sale and James Paxton back. Um, I tend to agree with that. And this has been an ongoing thing with the Red Sox, not just Kyan Bloom, but just the Red Sox organization forever is that they love to preach that all oh, the best trade that we're going to make is you know, no trade at all. We, we've got guys in our own system that are coming back and guys who have, you know, been on the injured list, we're going to come back. That's going to be our biggest acquisition. 
and especially with Chris Sale. It feels like ever since Chris Sale has been here, that's been the case where, oh, well, he's coming back at the deadline. So that's going to be our biggest acquisition. I don't think Kyan Bloom wants to go out and get a big-time starter because he'd have to give up prospects, and he doesn't want to do that. So, of course, he's going to sit on his laurels and say, hey, we've got a former site. You know, we've, we've got two big-time left-handers that are coming back after the deadline, so no need to panic. So I absolutely agree with that take. I, I don't think Kyan Bloom will do anything significant, and he'll just he'll use the excuse of we've got Salem Paxson coming back, nothing to worry about. I think some type of a move will happen. Is it going to be the blockbuster that Kyle Schwarber was last year, who was arguably the second best player on the market? No, probably not. I mean, Whitlock's coming back to the bullpen. We've talked about how that could kind of fix itself. There won't be any starting pitchers being added via a trade. No one of impact. So, I mean, are we going to get a Josh Bell type guy or we wouldn't get Andrew Benintendi, but a, a similar player? There's not many outfielders that are looking to be on the market. So I agree with the with the hot take and, and Jason's take. I don't really see anything major happening. You're on mute, Charlie. I'll never get accused of cutting someone off. Uh, so uh, thank you. I, uh, I, I, Jason, and I talked about this briefly. You know, we were kind of looking around at some hot takes. It was a, Ooh, well, that's a, that's a very, you know, that's a, I, I believe Jason used the phrase, uh, the most Red Sox thing ever. We're just not that team. Like the best trade we're going to make is the one we don't make. And we've seen that and heard that for 20 plus years. You know, very seldomly, I mean, like when we got Kyle Schwarber, I was surprised. I was like, what? Like, really? We got Kyle Schwarber? Okay, for a short-term rental. Um, I I don't see him being a, a big buyer and barring a miraculous self-destruct, uh, you know, self-destruction of this team, I don't see him selling either. Um, and if he does sell, it's going to be a major player. It'll be like a, you know, a Xander Bogarts. I hope it's not Rafael Devers. Uh, and it's going to bring back a haul. There, there's going to be, that's again, barring a miraculous blow up where the whole team just completely flounders and we find ourselves in fourth place, way out of it, not really even competing for the playoffs, barely making it into um, the wild card. I think it could be a miracle. Um, but we're not going to be crazy buyers. There's a higher probability of us being sellers. Uh, just now, off the top of my memory, which I'm actually somewhat impressed with at the moment, um, here are the more notable trade acquisitions of the last decade or so, year by year. 2021, Kyle Schwarber. 2019, nobody. Didn't make a move at the deadline. 2018, Steve Pierce worked great, but was it sexy at the time? No. 
2017, Eduardo Nunez. I probably like that more than your average person because he was hot at the time and uh, was a lightning rod right when he came in. Just played well, but then he hurt his knee. But Devers got called up as well at the deadline, so that kind of supplemented it. 2016, we traded for Brad Ziegler. And then... uh, 2014 and 15, we were out of it, so we were selling pieces. I think we did get, um, well, we did get Joe Kelly and Alan Craig, I guess, in 2014, so that that shouldn't be uh, left out. We finished last, though, so it wasn't that season where it helped. And then in 2013, we had Jake Peavy, which seemed like a great move at the time. We had the illusion of stability with Jake Peavy, but he didn't play well. I think we lost all of his postseason starts that he pitched, but uh, I, I liked it at the time, but, but so to, to get to kind of Jason's point, we don't really, we're not a team that makes moves. One of the best moves we ever made was Jason Bay. And unfortunately we didn't parlay it into a world series, but that dude raked for a year and a half. And they signed with the Mets and became one of the most Mets signings ever. Um, but, but yeah, it's been a while since we've had a big one, and there's nothing to suggest this year that that will, um, you know, get some kind of a big fish. So I'm up next, aren't I? All right, yes, so sir. this one comes from I I don't know how to pronounce the last name. I'm going to I'm going to say it's Mike Baran. There here's his hot take. It's an interesting one. Sox trade Waka or Hill to create space for Sale, Paxton and Winkowski in the rotation. Now Trading Chris, uh, excuse me, trading uh, Rich Hill wouldn't be a hot take. I think he expects to get traded every time he signs with someone on a one-year deal. Uh, I think he went from Tampa to the Mets last year. Um, I looked up Paxton a few minutes ago. He's not slated to return until mid-August, which is very disappointing because he's been throwing bullpens for a little while now. And he was expected to be back at some point in June. That was the talk in spring training. He's way ahead. He's way ahead of schedule. And we went from June to mid-August, so roughly two months. But why it's interesting to me is you're definitely going to have Sale. You're going to have Avaldi in there. You got Pavetta, so there's three. You still have Waka. I think it's a long shot that the Red Sox trade him. But here's a couple of things, though. It looks like Josh Winkowski is probably going to stay. I don't see him, especially with Hill going on the injured list now, I don't see him going back down to, um, you know, Worcester anytime soon. And if I'm wrong about my response to the last hot take. Could you dangle a guy like Waka out there? Or if for some reason you like Waka, do you dangle a Valdi who's a rental as well? So if, 
if you're already going to talk about that, Terry, then you're you're voting to blow up the team because Walk has been one of Mark one of the more consistent starters for us that hadn't gotten injured and unfortunately struggled. Um, if you're selling Waka, don't stop. You're clearly not playing for the playoffs, so you might as well start selling pieces. That's what I would. I, that's what you would be telling your fan base if if we we lose Waka or, or, or you you as you mentioned you dangle him. I think you're you're telling your fan base we're not going to compete. What if, if you're to- getting just hypothetical? What if you're getting Joe Kelly back in that deal, and now your bullpen's a lot better? I, I think you're trading from strength now it's a little dicey on this particular week because Waka might miss a start or two. Usually with dead arm, they they're out for a couple weeks roughly. Um, but you still have sale Pavetta Winkowski in there and then Paxton in mid August. I think, I just think there's a, a little bit of strength there. You're not going to get Josh Bell because he's on a team that's not contending, and both the guys that I just brought up, as well as the hot take, um, these are rentals. So I don't know. I'm just wondering if something outside the box could happen. I I would be surprised. Um, one thing to keep in mind too: both Sale and Paxton are on the 40 man roster. Okay, so that that's a big key. Is that they don't have to be added. You don't have to DFA someone when they come back. You're just looking at rearranging some pieces. That's where I could see if Sale and Paxton come back, I could see like an Austin Davis being expendable. Maybe you trade him and maybe you trade Austin Davis and you attach a low-level minor leaguer for a relief pitcher somewhere else, right? And that's how you add to your bullpen. Um whether or not Winkowski will stay, I think depends on the health of Ivaldi. You know, if Ivaldi comes back and he's good to go, then all of a sudden your rotation is Sale, Ivaldi, Pavetta, Paxton, Waka. You don't need Winkowski. You can throw him in your bullpen, which is fine. Um, and I think that could be what happens to Rich Hill too. Rich Hill becomes a swing guy where, you know, James Paxton's going to be on an innings limit. So, you know, even if he does come back in mid-August, he, he's not going to be going six, seven innings. He's probably going to be going four innings at the most to start out. So maybe you pair him with Winkowski. You throw out James Paxton for a start, and then Winkowski comes in and relieves him, or even vice versa. Maybe, maybe even Paxton becomes a swing guy. And, you know, Winkowski, if he keeps going the way he is, he's a starter, and then James Paxton comes in to spell him for a couple of innings. So they have a lot of different machinations that they can use with the amount of pitchers that they have. I just don't see them, especially with with Waka performing the way he is, unless the Red Sox completely fall out of it and they are just in the tank and they don't think they can compete, I don't see them dangling Michael Waka out there because he's been too valuable. He's been found money for them. Um you know, he, he's just been too reliable. I mean, again, you know, tough, like you said, Terry, tough weekend to talk about it because he's got the dead arm going on. But apart from that, he's been pretty reliable. So I just don't see it. I, I think ultimately what they'll do is they'll they'll just get rid of some of the lesser parts of that bullpen. 
Austin Davis, Phillips Valdez, guys like that. And they'll hang on to the guys that are helping them right now. So Winkowski will stay. Paxton and Sale will have an impact. Walker will still be here. And that's how they'll go about it. Because if they're in it, like I said, can never have too much pitching. And, you know, if you have to piece it together like that, that's a good problem to have. So that's more how I see it going. I I think regardless, I think Winkowski could very well force his way to stay. I mean, he's outside of his first start, he's got a 1.96 ERA. His strikeouts are, are ticking upwards. Uh, he punched out six in his last outing. In all but his first start, he hasn't walked more than one guy every outing. And that's, in fact, that's exactly what he's done. He's walked in his last four, he's walked one guy each time. So I just think, I don't even know if Chris Sale's going to be that good. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, Winkowski could very well be your number three. Um, so I I don't know. I don't know. I, I know Bloom likes to sell high and and walk is pretty high right now. So we'll see. This month's going to be so intriguing. Like I, whatever happens, it's going to be something we didn't see coming. And a good example of that 2018 when we got Evaldi, nobody saw that coming. The deal yep. happened and then we're like, whoa, what just happened? And uh, that's how it went down. So. Um, but yeah, but interesting, uh, interesting dialogue regardless. For sure. Uh, who's next? I think you are. Oh, it's me. Okay. All right, cool. So wrapping it up 3d historian, Alan at 3d underscore historian. Uh, Red Sox are going to get crushed in this run up to the all-star break. Um, thank you, Alan. Um, if the Red Sox are going to continue playing the way that they have been, especially against the Cubs and some of the, teams that we just finished up, you know, not like the Mariners and, and the athletics when we were just kind of wiping them all over the floor. Yeah. There's a very good chance that we're going to lose each series. Um, if, if we're lucky, we might win one out of four. Um, do I expect us to get swept? No. Do I expect us to win a couple of games? Yes. Do I think we're going to play 500? I do not. Um, I, I also don't think we're going to get crushed when i think crushed that tells me we're gonna go two and ten i think it's probably gonna be more like a five and seven worst case scenario four and eight but i think five and seven is probably what we'll end up doing on the last 12 we won't be finishing 500 and then we'll be you know further out of first place uh jason yeah i i'm trying to put the recency bias aside because after that cub series it's like you look at Tampa and New York coming up for two straight back-to-back series. You're like, oh, geez. But I'm going to put that aside. I, I don't think they're going to get crushed. The question is, which way does it go, right? To, can they at least play close to 500 ball or more? I would take 500, honestly. If, if they play 500 ball leading up to close to the All-Star break, you're in decent shape. That's okay. You're still in a wild card spot. You'll, you'll probably still be in second place in the division. That's okay. I, I would take that. You don't have to dominate these next two, you know, these next couple of series. You just have to hang in there and not get buried. And I don't think 
they're going to get buried. Now, look, it, with the pitching injuries, that's a major concern, um, especially going up against the Yankees, who have, once again, just an all-time offense. Um, the Rays, you know, they've had some injury problems of their own, but they're pesky, and and they like to just hang around and be annoying and take more games from you than they should. So the pitching injuries right now are probably, it's probably like the worst timing possible, but if you can potentially get, you know, evolve your Whitlock back for this, for one of these couple of series coming up. And if the offense wakes up and they just play 500 or a little bit better, I think they're okay. So do I think they're going to get crushed? No. I don't. I, I think that they will find a way to keep their heads above water and they won't get buried heading into uh, the all-star break or even beyond that, I, you know, the trade deadline included. Like, I think that they'll find a way to keep it together. So if that means 500, I'm okay with that. But just keep your heads above water. That's all I can ask. Terry? I would gladly take five out of seven with the scenario that you just gave me, or I, I meant to say five and, and seven uh, out of the 12 is what I should have said, but um, it doesn't look like we're getting Whitlock back for at least a week. I don't think we're getting Avoldi back before the all-star break. So we're going to be missing him the whole time. We're eight and 16 against the division that's where we're at so that's what a 333 win percentage 16 is 333 yeah i think it could be it could be worse i think we could go three or four out of the 12 three nine four and eight yeah Uh, that's where i think we could be at the Yankees are tough, and they could murder our bullpen. <laughs> uh, so I said five was a ceiling. Five was a ceiling. Crush to me is two and ten. I'm, I'm going to try to remain a little optimistic here because Jason did bring up a really good point. You know, the recency bias is a really big thing. If we didn't just get smoked by Chicago, and I say smoked because we lost by – one total run in that series. We lost a one-run game, a two-run game, and then we won a two-run game. So in three games, run differential, minus one. Against a team that's 12 games under 500 or 13 games under 500, I forget the exact number, it's not good. It's not pretty. But if you throw that aside, you just got out of one bad series to wrap up a very great month of June. We won each series except for that last one. So I think there is some credence to what Jason just said, and I think that's something to take into consideration. My ceiling, five. Is it possible that they win four? Sure. Do I think they're going to do less than that? I, I don't know. I, I, I find it really hard to believe that the Red Sox aren't going to be able to come together with at least four four wins in this series. Win one game in each series, minimum. They've got to be able to do that. It doesn't get a ton easier after the All-Star break. I mean, you come back against Toronto right away, who were three and nine against on the season. Then you got the Guardians, and I only called them the Guardians because that's right in front of me. Um, and then the Brewers after that. So the Brewers are a pesky team. They've got a pitching staff that can keep us off balance. 
So that's that's your whole month in July. That's brutal. Just just for the heck of it. Let's see what August looks like. <laughs> All right. So we start that month off with the Astros. Then we have the Kansas City Royals. I won't call it a cupcake series because Lori, March Madness, says I'm not allowed to. Um, it's a four-game series for what it's worth. Then you got Atlanta. You got a weird one-gamer against Baltimore. That must be a makeup That's game. That's a makeup. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Then you got the Yankees, Pirates, Orioles, Blue Jays, Rays. And then you end with the Twins. So basically, the Twins, the Pirates, and the Royals might be your breathers in there. That's my new term, breathers. And um, it's tough. It's just tough. It's going to be the rest of the year is just going to be a a struggle. It's going to be a grind. And uh, Terry, let's not forget that to wrap out the entire season, you've got all divisional opponents, seven of those games, seven of those 14 games are in Toronto for three, New York for four. You get four games at home against Baltimore, but you still have to deal with Tampa Bay uh, at home yet again. So you got seven games away in New York and Toronto. If if our pitching isn't there, we'll be cooked before the month of September begins. Uh, but um, even the very end of September is not fun. Well, hopefully, um, Heim Bloom makes some moves here. I was going to try to slip Brian Bellow into uh, my last hot take. I mean, do we want to rule him out as a starter based on the way things are going? Maybe, maybe that's a deadline move, you know, that, you know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That fits right into the Red Sox philosophy. Oh no. Why, why acquire a a fireballing right-hander from someone else? We've already got one. Let's just rush him up to the majors. I, I would rather they hold off on Bayo until they absolutely need him. And look, their pitching depth took a hit with all the injuries, but I'm just never a fan of rushing a guy up, even if he is dealing down there. I, I would rather just keep him down there for a little bit. You've got other options. So I'd rather they explore something else than, than rush Bayo up. Same. I'm not touching Bayo this year. And Casas is injured. I wouldn't want to rush him up either. I know that Terry's got, uh, I think, one, maybe both on his fantasy team. But uh, I don't want to see Bayo at all this year. Uh, not not even a little bit. Nope. So, uh, Terry, was it one more thing you want to add? No, I think I'm good. Okay, cool. Uh, Jason, anything else you want to add? Nope. That's all I got. Right on. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Hot Takes. Uh, And to all of our dedicated listeners and fans, we appreciate you wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform. We appreciate you and we thank you. And we look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Everyone else, have a great night. Take care.